A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Tend the bruising sky and follow the chill wind. Set your feet to shelter and hasten towards the market square, past the clock tower, beyond time's vague distortions and onward, under the arches, down the lost road, to the moon underwater. Swiftly, swiftly, steal softly and swiftly into the snug, I say. The snug at the moon underwater is looking so delightful tonight. There are some beautiful velvet or maybe even velveteen items uh, hither and thither around it. There are little comfortable footstools and um, loads of dogs, but not real dogs because that would be awful. Um, they're just sort of porcelain dogs um, marking out the mantelpiece over the fire by the snug. What a place it is to be. Welcome, everyone, to the Moon Underwater. I'm John Robbins, the landlord of this sacred tavern where we invite guests to furnish their dream pubs of the mind with a variety of choices and selections. And joining me in the snug is our regular here, the lovely Robin Allender, who helps, who aids, who curates the library, who keeps the jukebox shining bright, and also sets our Moon Underwater pub quiz. Hello, Robin. Hello, John. How are we? Oh, we are here. We are here. We are here in the Moon Underwater, and that's all that matters. And the other realm sort of fades away ever so, like a sort of cloud dispersing in a in a bright sky. Yes. The other realm can go and F itself. The other realm can go and F itself. Uh, whereas the correct realm, where the moon underwater appears and shifts and changes ever so, is just superb. <laughs> yeah. Velvet spilling over the bonquettes, onto the floor itself, mm. onto the tables of the bar... Mm. And on to the very dogs. And on to the very dogs. Um, Robin, how do I find you this evening? <laughs> find me well. Thou, thou finds me well. Um, yes, the pub in weeks, the week in pubs. How have you been pub in weeks, week in pubs? Well, we've been in pubs this week. And we've been in weeks this pub. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, we uh, went to a pub this week. We went to uh, Plaquemine Lock in uh, De Beauvoir, which is sort of a very nice area of London next to the canal, sort of central north London and central slash north London, I should say. And what a pub it is. Well, to say pub, is it's not quite a pub. It's sort of a bar slash restaurant. Mm. And the menu is sort of got a very New Orleans feel. So there's grits. There's jambalaya. The best thing about this bar, not only does it look delicious from the outside, it's just across the road from the water. 
Not only does it look delicious inside, the music, and I said this to you, Robin, mm. was the perfect music to play in a pub. Yeah. It was sort of, what is the name of that sort of music? It's kind of, very, it's trad jazz, really, isn't it? It's kind of pre-bebop jazz. Like Larkin's, Larkin's faves, basically. Yeah, the sort of jazz Philip Larkin liked, the sort of jazz you get in quite a lot of Woody Allen films, and it was played at the Deeply perfect... problematic jazz. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was played at the perfect volume. Yeah. And it just I just find it oils... It oils the conversation. It does, yeah. It oils the atmos. It doesn't disturb, but it does enhance. Thoughts? I agree. And it, and because you're listening to music from another era, I think it's it, it's quite nice. to. It, d- it does give you a slight stepping back in time feel when you go into a pub, which I really like. Yeah, which itself allows you to sort of throw off the uh, burden of today's problems. Yes, yeah. Throw off today you. And you had the Keller Pills from... Oh, what was the brewery, the Keller Pills? Because they've sent us beers in the past. Is it Lost and Grounded? Lost and Grounded, yeah, based in Bristol. Yeah, and I had a 360 Brewery Best Bitter, which was superb. It was just wall-to-wall brills. And then I had a Bloody Mary, a jug of Bloody Mary. And that jug of Bloody Mary inspired a home Bloody Mary-making competition when I got back. Wow. Just playing with, against yourself? Just w- Playing with a friend. Playing with a friend. We both made our Bloody Marys. Yeah. And I started with uh, a Bloody Mary I called um, Mary Sherry's Frankenbrine. Very nice. Uh, so that was... So it's obviously your classics, vodka, tomato juice, Worcester sauce, Tabasco and lemon. Okay. Mm. I riffed on that. I added sherry, olives, olive brine, jalapeno brine, celery salt. God, obsessed with brine. It was so good, man. Really? I just don't like savoury drinks. That's all right. No one's making you have any. Okay. Well, the only savoury drinks are what? Bloody Mary, Bovril and soup. Yes. They're quite easy to avoid, savoury yeah. drinks. <laughs> Alcoholic Bovril would be quite good, though. What would you mix with it? Just vodka. Vodka and Bovril. <laughs> well, that's also, that's Bloody Mary, isn't it? Bloody Mary's just vodka and tomato soup. That's, well, and it's a little bit more complicated than that, actually, Robin. But what I did was, um, once I'd made the Bloody Mary, I top-loaded it, so I just drizzled some sherry and some brine onto the top. So you got a real kick of brine and sherry, which is a Mm. good thing, believe it or not. Yeah. But then my second creation swept the board in the marking. It was uh, your classics, then Dr. Naga's chilli pickle. Oh, no. uh, Chilli powder, and cardamom seeds. I have to say, Robin, it's one of the best things we've ever tasted. Cardamom is a very nice flavour, but surely that was being drowned out by the chilli voices. That's a very good point. And yes, it was. However, when you, what you have to do is single out the cardamom seeds and bite into them as you're drinking and suddenly get this burst of cardamom flavour. And I dressed it with a chilli sliced in half and a curry leaf with a, a a little dot of the um, Dr. Naga oil from the pickle on it. It was out of this world. Top tip, though, mix the vodka with the Dr. Naga beforehand so it fully separates. Bloody hell. I mean, yeah, the, I, I've, I've, I remember in America seeing Bloody Marys that had rashes of streaky bacon across the top. That's, that seems quite insane. But um, while we were talking about Lost and Grounded, I was also in Bristol last week, and I just want to give a shout-out to a few pubs. Hair on the Hill, which is also served Keller Pills, was is on stupendous form at the moment. So I've heard, Robin. Yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant atmosphere. There was an Irish folk music session going on. Really nice staff. Really, really excellent pub. Went to the Hillgrove. Dom's still there. Jamie's gone to New Zealand. But, um, but Hillgrove on stunning form as well. And I've got to give a shout out to the Annex, which I think is the best real ale pub in Bristol. Oh, that's a big shout. Yeah, the Annex was just superb. I had Dark Star Hophead 
And it's just they really know what they're doing. It's just it's just a pub you can trust, real ale wise, I think. But anyway, any Bristol heads out there, those are my those are my local shout-outs. Well, let us know, folks, if you have your own Bloody Mary recipes. Um, because the great thing about Bloody Mary is you can really riff on a theme because so yeah. many things go with it because it's just savoury. You could put cheese in there if you want to. It sounds like the theme is make it as horrible as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so let us know. You can send us your mist to john at moonunderpod.com uh, on any of the topics we've discussed over over the episodes. But Robin, what was, what's the mist got to say for itself today? Well, the mist has got a lot to say for itself. I sighed for the mist as usual. But we've had a lovely um, mist mail in from Mark. And this is to do with pub characters, which is Simon Price um, on our last episode. He barred pub characters. And on our monthly bonus episode, Behind the Cellar Door, we also talked about pub characters a bit, and positive and negative pub characters. Yes, and if you want to listen to the bonus episode of The Moon Underwater, uh, called Behind the Cellar Door, where Robin and I descend to the cellar to really get inside the mind of the pub, inside the pub of the mind's eye of the mind pub. We kind of go beneath the pub. I mean, We go beneath the pub, mm. actually. Um, so you can go to uh, patreon.com to find out how to access that through supporting the pub but Robin continue with your mist please yes so this is a pub character here from Mark and the subject of the mist is Jerry Brown so Mark says eternal publy character of the village of Great Shelford just south of Cambridge and in my mind eternally straddling your two definitions of a pub character both positive and a bit negative (laughs) He was often to be found at the bar of our better local inns, especially the renowned Queen's Head and Newton. He ran a village store where the stocks used by dates were an aspirational target to be exceeded, like some sort of land speed record. He'd nip off for hours at a time, <laughs> running out of the door and leaving the shop open and in the care of a random villager who happened to have the unfortunate timing of nipping in for a bag of sugar a few seconds beforehand. He was often, shall we say, somewhat on the make, especially where alcohol was involved. So he ran wine tasting evenings. <laughs> I love that. Once at the medical school bar at Addenbrooke's. And of course, we went along mainly for the entertainment value rather than for the quality of his drink. We weren't disappointed being treated memorably to an eight-year-old Beaujolais Nouveau that globbed into the glass like runny purple gelatin. Oh. Then oxidized before our eyes to river mud. Wow. What? That sounds disgusting. Is that meant to be bad? Or is I that don't how know if it's meant to, I think that's, I think it was bad and it wasn't meant to be that bad, but a lovely poetic turn of phrase. However, I'd be doing Jerry a colossal misservice if I left it there. He has an enduring positive legacy that lives on way beyond his unfortunate and sudden demise some years ago. You may be too young to remember the education cuts that threatened to reduce junior school staffing in the early 1990s. I'm afraid I am old enough to remember that. <laughs> well, the village school was facing having to increase class sizes and dear old jerry declared one evening at a village bar bugger that let's revive the village feast and fund half a teacher from the takings and it came came to pass that he got off his butt kicked most of his friends butts to do the same and organized the first such event here since victorian times and it's still going and has funded loads of local charities to the tune of Three hundred and thirty-eight thousand pounds since. Oh, that's so! Oh my God, that'll break my heart. That's so kind. <laughs> yeah. That's so nice. And here's Jerry's legacy, and I enjoy the good memories, and I forgive him that bottle of gamay mud. <laughs> uh, um, yours in colourful pubs, Mark, and he 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 gives a link to um, the Jerry's legacy there. This uh, this um, charitable appeal here, which is www.shelfordfeast.co.uk where they regularly raise money in Great Shelford, which is great. That's so nice to have a legacy that not only raises money, but also sort of does something for the community as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's a, that's a great pub character there, where it's really straddling. <laughs> but no, but that, I love that. That's fantastic. Um, I've got another mist in here from Gareth, which is to do with drink nicknames. Mm. Uh, Dear John, the Peter Pan of Pods. Oh! And the lovely Robin. What does the Peter Pan of Pods mean? I suppose it's just you're eternally young. Yeah, because I'm the youngest podcaster in the UK. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Gareth says, I'm a little behind the curve and off message on this one. And it's very easy to lose one's sense of humour about drinking in Downing Street. Quite right. 
But Sir Dennis Thatcher had a coded language to keep his drinking under the radar while resident at number 10. According to former press chief Sir Bernard Ingram of the luxuriant eyebrows, Sir Dennis referred to drinks as an opener, a brightener, a lifter, a tincture, a large gin and tonic without the tonic, a snifter, a snort, a snorter, and a snorterino. Uh, so this is this is um, drink nicknames. What do you think of those ones? I've heard of an opener before. Well, I, I mean, I've heard of quite a few of those. A snifter. Yeah, a snifter. A tincture. A lifter. A lifter, yeah. <laughs> I wonder, I'd love to know. Is this, is this Dennis, not Mark Thatcher, right? Dennis Thatcher, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'd love to know sort of what Dennis Thatcher's day <laughs> was like I think I can imagine based on that in, in drinking terms yeah because Margaret Thatcher liked whiskey didn't she she drank a lot of whiskey I think well not a lot I don't know but that was her drink mm. uh, I'd love to know what uh, Dennis's drinks were we, we while we're on we're talking about drink nicknames there but has anyone got any f- colorful phrases for being drunk because we we got through quite a few of those I remember being laundered was one we came oh with. yeah Laund- <laughs> What are some of our friend Alex's good ones? Sassooned. Sassooned, and that became wassooned. Yeah. Banjaxed is good. Plooned? Plooned, yeah. Yeah, banjaxed. I don't mind. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let us know if you've got any colourful <laughs> phrases for your yeah. friends being drunk. Sorry, I was sort of lost in a reverie then of getting completely sassooned. Yeah. With our dear pals. Mm. Oh, the past. The past is a foreign country. Can I get a flight? (laughs) Anyway, folks, we need to uh, dust off uh, this velveteen. Well, it's getting out of hand now, the velvet. I think you would agree, Robin. Yes. It's getting a little bit close to the fire and I will not have it singed. Um, So let's sort of cut the ends and sow some hems into the velvet uh, for the arrival of this week's guest. Robin, 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 do you feel in the air a sort of sense of magic and loss? Like that um, Lou Reed album? Well, yeah, I was playing the Lou Reed album, so maybe that's part of it. In the moon underwater this evening, there is a tinge of sadness in the air, but air that is sort of full of vibrant electricity. Mm. Have you noticed that? Because it's your hair's on end. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that could be magic. I mean, there's no magic without loss, is there? That's a very interesting point. Can there be magic without loss? Well, just ask, just ask David Blaine. Yeah, he's suffered from both in a lot of his performances. Although I suppose he can make things appear as well as disappear. But when something appears, maybe it's disappearing from another realm. Oh yeah, like the boys are back in town. Like you feel bad for the town they've left. You know. Yes. Yeah. You're. One town is grieving the boys, whilst one town is giving them high hands and a warm welcome and three cheers for the jolly good boys being back yeah, in town. Maybe it's a minor key song, The Boys Have Left Our Town. Mm. And <laughs> so sort of the other side of The Boys Are Back in Town Coin. point <laughs> yeah, it is. is that somewhere in some in some parallel universe people are singing The Boys Have Left Our Town and we mourn them thus. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm perhaps wondering if it's a portent of our guest today because he is winging his way on a mythical beast that represents both magic and loss, because obviously the the beast is mythical, um, but is also lost, or has (laughs) lost maybe a wing or something, I don't know, a foot. Right. I don't necessarily think the metaphor extends to his mode of transport here, Uh, but the wings and feet are flapping and scrabbling around out on the cobbles outside, so I'm going to get the door for him. Uh, just as he unharnesses himself from the very complex series of sort of leather strappings uh, upon the winged beast. And here, and yes, and yes, here he is. Uh, it's Jimmy McIntosh. Come in, Jimmy, come in. Hello. Wow. What a place you've got here. Welcome, welcome. Your your hair's got a touch of the wind-swept willies to it as well. <laughs> It was a long journey to get here, but I made it in the end. Jimmy, do you always carry with you a sense of magic and loss? Many people say that, um, but yes, I suppose I do, yeah. 
and always have done. Why don't you tell uh, our friends here at the Moon Underwater what it is you do and what an important contribution you make to the online pub landscape? So I run an Instagram account called London Dead Pubs, where I basically just go all over London from, you know, Ilford to Wembley, um, taking photos of pubs, that, or what used to be pubs, more often than not, they're new build flats, um, and then writing a little caption about them and giving a bit of history of what it used to be, what it meant to people, so on, so on. And what what sort of first attracted you to what I have to say is a very mournful topic and looking at um, your Instagram page one can't help but sort of feel these bursts of nostalgic joy when you see the pub as it was with just a sort of brutal reality check when you see what the pub has become not necessarily in all cases because you know not all not all change is bad not all um, not all not all gentrification is bad. Gentrification is often people living in a nicer area than they lived in before. Um, but obviously it does have certain downsides and is quite a hot potato. But what what first attracted you to documenting these pubs? Well, I, I never really thought of it as a kind of mournful project. Um, I've, I live in Holloway and I've always been really obsessed with maps. So I just started mapping out on Google Maps where all the dead pubs used to be. Obviously, I was obsessed with pubs as well. And then from that, I finished Holloway and I thought, well, I may as well do Islington. <laughs> and I did Islington. And I was, well, I may as well do, you know, Hackney. And then, it, well, I may as well do the whole of London. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm still making that map. Um, I don't know whether to extend it all the way to the M25 or not. But then perhaps if I get to the M25, I might think, well, why not do the whole of the country? And then it gets into a very long... <laughs> when we're talking um, about London pubs, what, what, when was the heyday and how many are we talking? Because it seems to me that there was just... It's, it's like cinemas used to be. Like there used to be so many cinemas in Bristol and everything. Like, you know, down the road, you know, there would be three or four on the high street or whatever. But like how many are we talking back in the heyday? I mean, there was really, especially in London, a pub on every corner, Um Certainly in the beginning of the 1900s. And then as the 20th century rolled on, I suppose probably about post-1980, um, then it started getting bad. And then certainly again, around the time of the millennium, even worse. And there was a point when they were closing at a really staggering rate of something ridiculous, like 10 a week or something in London. Um, I think it might have calmed down a bit now for various reasons, the kind of rise of the gastro pub. But yeah, they are still closing. And certainly in the nine months I've been running the account, ones that you know I used to go in only a year ago have closed. So it's a never-ending problem. And obviously COVID has sort of st- quelled that increase in sort of gastro, sort of offset the popularity of the gastro pub and the microbrewery in the tap room because... So many, many beloved pubs uh, closed uh, during COVID. So has that, have you, how do you keep abreast of the changes? At the beginning, I was just relying on the internet, but now I've built up somewhat of a following. And so I'll just get people messaging me saying, have you heard that so-and-so in Chelsea's shut down? And I'll, be like, I'll go and have a look. Oh, and yes, it has shut down. And then so I put a pin in the map and add it to the list of pubs I need to go and take a photo of. The extraordinary <laughs> thing with a lot of them is there is that kind of ghost, like, you know, you can tell it used to be a pub or there's still ghost signs and things like that. You know, you take nice photos of those kind of things. That, I mean, that, that's kind of, it, it's strange how that becomes part of the fabric of the city as well, I think. It's kind of, you can see what used to be there, you know. Part of me really hates it because, you know, when there's one in Kentish Town called the Crimea, mm. Um and it still has the pub sign outside. It's a beautiful sign representing a scene from the Crimean War. Um, and the first time I ever saw it, I was rounding the corner. I thought, oh, wow, it's a great pub. Uh, and then as I got closer, I realized it was a series of expensive flats. Oh, wow. <laughs> but they'd kept the signage. Yeah. So. I mean, it's like, you know, our old friend, the Horse and Jockey in Oxford. It's now a block of flats called the Horse and Jockey Flats. You know, it's, it's it sort of feels a bit like rubbing it in. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, there is some, especially with the tiling. When a pub used to have really good tiling, mm. in many ways, it would be 
a shame to have to destroy that. So I'm not too fussed about, you know, when the old kind of Truman Brewery green tiling and eagle uh, remains. But yeah. And in ter- and so let's 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 move to living pubs. Do do you have a kind of favorite kind of London pub, or do you have what do you have favorite favorite London pubs that you go to often? And 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 are they kind of do they tend to be more kind of nostalgic ones, as in? They kind of hark back to an earlier time. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of... The nearest pubs to me that I go to a lot are the Florin on Holloway Road, uh, the Crown on Holloway Road, and they're real proper boozers, you know, uh, kind of a couple of old men in the corner. But those pubs are the ones that have the most humanity and the most kind of character to them. Mm. Um, So I'd much rather go somewhere like that than, for example, a kind of pizza pub gastro thing (laughs) i was looking at some of the posts and what's amazing is in the comments underneath because you give a really good account of the sort of history of these pubs but people commenting saying there was one where um a woman said my aunt had her wedding reception in there when i was five (laughs) this uh, pub the george the fourth on uh wiles road closed in 2019 and sort of people able to share their memories about past pubs that just sort of does show that you're really losing a part of the the fabric of the community of these places definitely and it's uh there is a it does seem every post there's always someone popping up with a story about how they once got pissed here in 1986 <laughs> or you know they fell out with their girlfriend there and whenever and that is you know pubs are kind of places we go to make memories and they're almost like they're backdrops to our lives really and so when they go, you're reminded of the times you had there. So it is uh, kind of haunting in many ways. Mm. <laughs> I do like that as well. When you find a old pub that's, you know, it feels like it's, it's part of old London somehow. Like I, I, I went to this pub. I don't know if you know, it's in Marlebone. It's called the King's Head. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a Green King pub, but they haven't changed anything inside. It's carpeted floor, really small. Um, you kind of go in off the street, so it's like you go down a few steps, so it's a little bit subterranean, and they just have Stella Moretti, Guinness, uh, Tribute, and Green King on tap. So it's really Perfect. limited. <laughs> and it's just it's just one of those pubs where it's like, you think it just shouldn't be there, because everywhere else around there is these really pricey bars and everything. I mean, it still is London prices, but just in the decor of it, it just hasn't changed at all. You do get these pockets of, uh, I say pockets, you get the kind of odd pub here and there, yeah. central adjacent in kind of zones one and two, where, you, yeah, as you said, you stumble across it and go, this shouldn't be here. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. And they're the ones you need to cherish and save. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So are you also sort of kept abreast of pubs that are under threat? Because I know a pub I used to live near, the Ravensbourne Arms in Lewisham, which Rob knows, That's I, I couldn't quite work out what the current situation is. I think it's closed, but they're trying to buy it as a community pub. Yes, that's the last I heard That'd as well. Be such a, that was such a good pub. I never went in it, but I kind of saw photos of it. It's kind of... It's quite tank-like in its appearance. If, uh, if it, I yes, yeah, yeah, that's a good way of describing it. But like Lewisham's a good example of a place where, I mean, counting them up, there's the um, there's the Dacre Arms, the Fox and Firkin, Ravensbourne, the Carpenters Arms. I think there's like three pubs in a place the size of Lewisham. There's the right the Rising Sun's good, which is like up towards St John's. On the hill. But th- there would have been a time when there were probably 40 or 50 pubs, and now you're talking less than 10. Yeah, it's 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 tragic, really. But it does make you think, you know, how did people handle having a pub on every corner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, all, it's hard enough as it is to not go to the pub and save money. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a very good point. You can have too much of a good thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel sad though now, Jimmy. Do you have any stories of hope? <laughs> well, there are there are certain pubs doing. I don't know. I have I think about it a lot. But how how do you do a good wet lead pub in the twenty in twenty twenty two? Great cue. 
give us some answers. So when when you say wet lead, do you mean it's not serving sort of hot meals or it's not sort of food food orientated? Maybe there'll be sandwiches with the crust cut off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, or pork pies or or something. But what are your tips for a wet lead pub? I think rather in in about two thousand and well two thousand pubs suddenly decided they wanted to go away from the traditional pub feel of so out went the carpets and the bonquettes and you know kind of lovely wood paneling and it all became very bare brick with very minimal and then obviously they started serving food as well but it's almost like they tried to run away from everything that made a pub kind of warm and friendly and welcoming so i think that would what I'd, if I was to own a pub, that would be what I'd do, first of all, is you know, reinstall a carpet, <laughs> yeah, put in put in a little booth and a bonquette and make it not kind of like cosplaying as a pub, but you know, make it kind of kitschy almost, I think. Um, and then that's how you get new fans of pubs and also you keep the old boys happy as well. Hello fans of Pub and Pint. I'm Jess Phillips, an MP, and now for the first time, a podcast host. I know that the moon underwater is used to sighing for its letters, so I think you'll love my new podcast that's all about writing letters. It's called Yours Sincerely, and in each episode, I invite a guest to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. So with that, I'll sign off with Yours Sincerely. Jess Phillips. I hope you get to enjoy an episode of my podcast soon. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's move to Brighter Pastures, uh, Jimmy, after giving everyone a strong recommendation to check out uh, your Instagram page, London Dead Pubs. Though I, there is a Van Morrison's... No, there's a there's a uh, Frank Zappa song called Dead Girls of London. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> which is Van Morrison's song with him in a sort of bootleg. So I, I always thought Dead Pubs of London made me think of that song, but it's not. It's London yes. Dead Pubs. <laughs> Your fantasy pub, which is under no threat whatsoever, financially from developers, it's not going to turn into flats, it's not going to turn into uh, a Tesco Express, it's going to turn into whatever you dream it can be. So what sort of pub, of, of all the pubs you've seen, what's informing your fantasy pub? I think it's got to be somewhere where people can just go and meet and relax and forget about the outside world which, I mean, it's mm. quite a broad um, kind of scope. But yeah, it's got to be that. It's got to be warm. It's got to be friendly. It's got to be warm. So it's got to be warm. Oh, yes. And what would be your draft choice? You've got two draft items. So a lot of the pubs that I've encountered, dead or alive, um, 
they do what I call the Skags draft system, which is the Stella, Cronenberg, Amstel, Guinness, and Strongbow, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I, I quite like. I think, you know, keep it simple. But I would add in my pub a, or so the first one in my pub would be Estrella, because I'm, you want, need a tier free lager there, I think. A what? A tier free lager. What, as in tiers that you had shared? As in, so, well, this is my rating system. I think tier one, you have your Carling and Fosters. Mm-hmm. Then tier two. What, what, what tier, what, hang on, what, what does the, what does tier one mean? <laughs> tier one is the worst. Type yeah. of, oh, okay. <laughs> tier type one of is the worst, yeah. right? Yeah, and tier, tier three <laughs> is the best. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then at tier two, you've got, yeah, maybe Heineken, Stella, maybe Cronenberg. Some people would have that on a tier one. And then tier three, you go up to your Asahis, your Estrellas, Peroni, if, you, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, so I think you need one of them. And if I go to a pub, I will try and drink one of those tier three lagers. Where, where are you putting Moretti? Is that tier three? I, I They do seem to serve everywhere. It's not quite as... Uh, well, it does seem to be everywhere. So does Madri as well. Yeah, Madri's getting about. What's Madri? I've never even heard of Madri. It's, it's Spanish, Is I it think. Sp- oh, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's lots of kind of rumours on Twitter that it's a kind of nefarious marketing exercise and influencers are being paid money to push it to the public. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> but the, last t- the last time that happened was Hop House, if you remember Hop House. Yeah. And they've discontinued that. So Have they? Yeah. You can't. Or maybe just in England. Hop House was not good. But so, yeah, that is a lesson, Hop House, for mm. kind of these young upstarts in the lager world. It's the fi- the fire festival of continental yeah. lagers. <laughs> yeah. Well, M- Madri was launched this year by Molson Coors. Mm. Yeah. A, com- a collaboration with La Sagra Brewery. So I, I think there's obviously a lot of money being pumped into it. Yeah, yeah. Um. Because it does, I, I'd never heard of it a year ago, and suddenly it is everywhere. Yeah. But no, it's, yeah, Estrella for me would be my draft number one of choice. Estrella's a good shout. Do you not find the Estrella glasses, are they because of the way they're made, it, it, it tends to get a bit flat? Discuss. Ooh. <laughs> not, not at the rate I drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, what would be your, because Rob, you're very much into your lager tears. Yeah. I love the tier system. Yeah, I gotta say. You love the tier. So, what? What? Give us an example of your tier one, two, and tier threes. one would be Foster's, Carling, Carlsberg. Um, tier two would be Stella, but I would often drink a Stella. Uh, yeah, Heineken, Cronenberg. I think Moretti would be tier three now. Would it? Didn't? Wasn't always thus though, was it? With you, Rob? It wasn't always thus, but I think Moretti. Um, Moretti is very dependable. Is it? Yeah. And I had a big bottle of it with a Thai meal the other day in a glass that I put in the freezer. And it was probably one of the nicest drinks I'd had that fortnight. (laughs) (laughs) Where where do you stand on Peroni? Because a lot of people don't like Peroni, yeah. I don't like those big glasses. They look like it looks like a headache in a glass. You look ridiculous when you drink them as well. Yeah. <laughs> Giant chalices. Well, it's like when you when you get a latte in one of those very tall, thin, and it's sort of so unwieldy, and it just always looks like it's going to fall over at any point. I think that's how I feel about those Peroni glasses. But I think I said this because I think Josh Widdicombe chose Peroni, and I sort of and I remember saying. Whenever like Lawrence Fox is going on, like in lockdown, was going on about, oh, the pubs are open again. He, he always had a pint of Peroni, <laughs> and if you were scripting yeah. the character of Lawrence Fox, if someone said he has to drink Peroni, you'd go, no, nah, it's a bit too on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, he's the fa- he's the sort of uh, he's the face of Peroni in a way. I just I just don't really I'm not really a fan of Peroni. It's a sort of I, you just associate it with. Like being in a really wanky estate agent and being <laughs> yeah. given a Peroni. A warm one. <laughs> yeah. Or in a very, very expensive, like, or no, not necessarily expensive, but twatty hairdressers mm. for men. Yeah. You'd get a bloody Peroni one. The little, your... the little bottle of Peroni whilst yeah. you get your hair cut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. While you get your hair cut really short at the sides, <laughs> but sort of long on top like a Tommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It's a Peaky Blinders beer. Mate, it is maybe? a Peaky Blinders beer. I'm not sure what I mean by that. Is it? No, I'm not. I've never seen Peaky Blinders beer. Oh, Peaky Blinders. Um, so what would be your second draft choice, uh, Jimmy? Uh, it would be foolish of me not to have Guinness, really. Um, would be foolish. It is the ultimate hangover drink. A um, couple of pints of that, if you're feeling a bit rough, sorts you fine. Um, and yeah, you've got to have Guinness. It's a boring choice, it may be, but I've got to have it. London Guinness, what 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 are your what are your highlights? Ooh, um, I don't know. I'm kind of of the belief that Guinness is a bit like pizza in that you can have very bad pizza and you can have like good pizza, but like the kind of rating system of Guinness, I don't get. Like, right? I've had a good pint of Guinness. So I, have, I haven't had like a. I don't know. I don't. Maybe I don't have the palate for it. I don't know what, how to differentiate between. <laughs> so, like a bad pizza is still good because it's pizza. No, no. Like a bad pizza is bad, but people. But once you get to a certain level of pizza, it's like they all. They're all as good as each other, really. Right. Right. Oh, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, eat worse. <laughs> um, the thing with I, I realised recently is sometimes a Guinness is so well kept that actually you even if you pour it in the most horrific way, it will still taste quite good. So I went to a hotel recently in the bar, I had a Guinness, and it was just the nightmare scenario where the barman put it down like a foot below this one of these high nozzle taps, just flipped it on and went walkabout. And usually that sort of is the death of your pint. However, this Guinness was so good through accident or design that actually that probably only knocked one out of ten off the taste. Mm. Sometimes when the head is slightly brown, if there's bubbles in the head, if it's too cold... If they haven't let it settle, if the lines aren't cleaned well enough, it makes such a huge difference. And when I was in Ireland, the difference wasn't that the Guinness was better, it's just that it was never shit. It was never less than sort of 8 out of 10. Let's go to the pub, 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 pub. Jimmy, you've got two bottles and or cans. What are you going for? Um, so the first one, first bottle I'm going to go for is a bottle of San Pellegrino sparkling water. Oh, lovely. Because sometimes you want to go to the pub, you don't want to drink. San Pellegrino is the classic Italian, the premier sparkling water brand. Um, but from a glass bottle, not from a plastic bottle, it's got to be ice cold. Yeah. So that would be my number one, I think. I cannot get on with sparkling water. Just the way it sparkles, <laughs> the way it tastes. <laughs> it sparkles in a different way to like a Coke or something. It it ain't for me. It's a great choice if you're not drinking, for sure. Because I, th- I think the problem, the problem with pubs and non-alcoholic drinks is they're often very, very sweet. So you kind of end up with a bit of a hangover anyway from the sugar. Yeah. So to have the kind of smoothness of a sparkling water, perhaps a little bit of lime in, mm. great, perfect. Very nice. And your second choice, please, Jimmy. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Dragon Stout. Ah, tell me more. I think that's making its debut on the moon underwater. Oh, really? Amazing. Um, so my friend kind of turned me on to it, a guy called Henry, a couple of years ago. And he, he was like, you got to try this. It was boiling hot that day. He was like, you got to try this. It's honestly the most refreshing thing ever. And I thought, well, I mean, Guinness is a lot of things, but I wouldn't ever describe it as like refreshing. You know, <laughs> yeah. Stout isn't like hugely refreshing. Yeah, you don't see marathon runners down no. in pints of Guinness <laughs> after they've finished. Yeah. But you know what? Lo and behold, a bottle of Dragon Stout. And wow, it was incredible. Ice cold on a hot day. Wow. Um, it was really, really nice. Very, very strong, though, I think. I think it's... Like, it's seven and a half percent. Yeah, so uh, have one or two of them. <laughs> Where's it from? I, th- I think Jamaican. Yeah, it is. I think it might be made by the same people that make Red Stripe, because it's it, apparently known as Red Stripe's Stronger, Darker Brother. Yeah, I mean, it's really nice, though. I would, uh, I would suggest you try it if you haven't yet. And you'd recommend Very, Very Chilled. 
Very, very cold, yeah. yeah it's nice. um it's even though it is a stout, it's completely different to Guinness. Like just is I wouldn't wouldn't say more flavourful, but it has certainly kind of chocolatey undertones. But that is strange how like in in certain hot countries, like stouts have really kind of made a big splash. Like you know, there is the refreshing qualities of a stout. I can't. I could not tell you why it's refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's made by um, Desnos and Geddes Limited, uh, which I may be mispronouncing, but they um, they make Red Stripe and Dragon Stout. Those are their two drinks. Nice. Uh, so, how, where do you get Dragon Stout? Is it quite a common thing to find? Do you get it in the supermarket and drink it at home, or do you have it out in pubs? It's I've never seen it in a pub. I've seen it in kind of corner shops. Never seen it in a supermarket. Uh, it's the same, similar kind of vibe to the uh, you know, there's a kind of weird like Jamaican tonic mm. drinks that you can get, which I think is like meant to improve your sexual performance or something. <laughs> well, you never see bottles of cherry wine in um, yeah, pubs, yeah, 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 but yeah. I love a cherry wine from a from a corner shop. Oh, I've never had a cherry wine. Oh, it's everything you it, you think it is. Is it exactly what it says on the tin? A kind of It's exact it is cherry cherry wine. It's like a sort of cross between cherry coke and port, I guess. It's got a big Van Morrison vibe going. With it, hasn't it? Cherry wine. Yeah, because he, he sings about it in um, Cypress Avenue. With my cherry, cherry wine. So is it less like less like Lambrini? No, it's not. If you poured it, it would look like port. But it it's very sort of snackable content, <laughs> uh, for want of a better phrase. <laughs> yeah. It's not. I don't know how strong cherry wine is. I think it's like what is cherry wine? <laughs> <laughs> what what is it? It's quite hard to. It's quite hard to look it up in your mind. I will look that up in my mind at some uh, juncture. Hmm. It comes in a very little simple bottle that doesn't look like it's had the label updated for about 50 years. It used to be, did you ever get into ginger wine? Was that into that scene? Yeah. I, I got into that when I was at yeah. university. Really? Because it's quite cheap, isn't it? It was very cheap yeah. and very tasty. Yeah. <laughs> But I probably haven't had it since university. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of about 11% or 10% the cherry wine I've had. But I think there are different types of it. But I'm not going to look into that further because I'll only end up ordering loads of cherry wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so far in Jimmy McIntosh's Dream Pub, we have Estrella and Guinness on draft, um, adding to the uh, Skaggs system of uh, Stella Cronenberg. What's the A? Amstel. Amstel, Guinness, and Strongbow. Yeah. Um, so you've only got one from the Skags and then one from Tier 3, which is Estrella. Uh, bottles, you've got San Pellegrino Sparkling Water and Dragon Stout. But as well as furnishing your dream pub with its drinks, we also need to furnish our mind with facts. And for that, we head over to Robin Ander for the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. <laughs> Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Thanks, John, and welcome to the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. As ever, I will read three questions and furnish you with the answers in part two. And this week's quiz is one-star TripAdvisor reviews of UK tourist attractions. So I will read you a one-star TripAdvisor review, and you have to tell me which tourist attraction they are describing. That that all make sense to you guys? That sounds great. Cool. Okay. So we'll go through them now, and then we'll go through the answers in part two. So this is this is number one. This is from Ned1968. And he says of this uh, tourist attraction or photo opportunity, If you really want to queue up with dozens of other people and try and take your photo on a crossing on a busy road while cars honk at you, then this is the place to come. Okay? Yeah. (laughs) Number two. What artwork is Pamela D. describing here? 
Nothing but a rusty piece of junk does nothing, just stands there. Don't understand why people flock from far and wide to see it. If you want to see this, just drive past. You can see it just the same as you can standing in front of it. <laughs> I also want to say there is no punctuation in that. So all one, all one sentence. Do you need any other clues with that one? Or have you got a... No. <laughs> uh, number three. Got a couple of quotes here. This is from MBH5488. After making it to the top in about 2.5 hours, we were ready for a nice hot drink and a view. There were clouds all around. There wasn't a cafe. <laughs> all in all, a waste of time, really. And then Keviam says, this is quite a long one. This is the same one. Not deterred by recent reviews advising of the lack of cafe facilities at the top, we set off safe in the knowledge that the pork chops we'd packed would get us through the ordeal. How wrong we were. Three to four hours in, pork chops consumed. We were down to survival rations consisting of prawn cocktail, crisps, and a bounty. We plodded on, <laughs> expecting at some point to encounter a Mr. Whippy. Nout, come on, Scottish tourist board, what are you doing? No effort whatsoever. Having pushed the thought of a 99... <laughs> it's quite long. 99 at the back of my mind. I plodded miserably to the top, and the sun wasn't even out. What a waste of energy. I could have been sunbathing on a beach in Bournemouth with a public house at every turn. Sturgeon, you really must try harder. If this is how you treat guests, then you deserve the catastrophic independence you so crave. <laughs> so there we go. Two lovely quotes there for question three. I think he's making a point about something. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Uh Moon Underwater pub quiz there. Uh, obviously, uh, the Moon Underwater doesn't have reviews on TripAdvisor because the Moon Underwater stars are in the sky. <laughs> uh, we will join you in part two, but do head over to moonunderpod.com to find out how you can support this hallowed tavern and also get access to live events, uh, some of which are coming up very soon. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.